Oh God, I don't think there's anyone within the sound of our voices this morning who can't say, who wouldn't say, who needs to say, who has to say, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And so we invite your help. We're comforted, we're encouraged to remember that in Psalm 46, the psalmist David reminds us that you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. You're always there. You're always available. You're always accessible. You're always willing. You're always ready to help. Would you help us today? Would you encourage your hearts today? As you have, as we've worshipped you, we've come into your presence and our hearts have already been lifted and our burdens have been left lessened just a little bit. The pains and the difficulties, the struggles, our perspective on them has changed because we're in your presence. Our perspectives have changed because we're together with God's people even if we can't see each other face to face right now. And we long for that day, God. Bring healing to the world. Bring healing to our nation. Bring healing to our state. Bring healing to our region. Bring healing to our community and to our neighborhood, to our church family, God. Rid us of this pernicious virus and enable us to be back together. Because something happens when we're in God's presence. Opening God's word in the company of God's people to be equipped to be mobilized for God's work in God's world that he loves pour out your grace on us today we ask all this in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's children said Amen God bless you so good to be here I have to start off with some thank yous. Thank you, Kelsey and team, for a wonderful time of leadership. Edward, Alex, Ryan, Casey, we appreciate all you're doing. Thank all of you behind the scenes who make today possible. Uh, Emily and Sergio and Chad and Billy Vasquez. We're so grateful for what you do. And then for me particularly, thank you to uh, Pastor Brandon Penn. Brandon is uh, an outstanding and gifted communicator, wonderful pastor, and a gifted preacher, but man, these past two weeks have been absolutely stellar. So, Pastor Brandon, thank you for uh, pointing us to the Word. Thank you for giving me a couple weeks to breathe and to uh, allow Sherry and I to have some space and time to welcome back Shelby and Ryan from Okinawa, and uh, not just them, but little baby Luca, who was up uh, in my study last night helping me with my preparation, or at least he was there. So uh, we're sharing uh, some space right now, and man, it's been a privilege and a joy, but just uh, enormous thanks to you, uh, Pastor Brandon. I love you, and just, man, it, go online, uh, text, email, do something to say thank you, uh, Pastor Brandon, for these uh, past two weeks. And, in fact, uh, go online right now if you're kind of watching, and uh, just let us know that you're watching. Just say, hey, 
It's me. I'm here watching with whoever you're watching with, where you are. Tell us what the temperature is. I got in the car this morning to come to church. It was 105, uh, a kind of a nippy 105. And the paper says that uh, by the end of today sometime, it'll be uh, a brisk 117. So God, send your, your rain, your cool uh, breath of your spirit uh, on your people I'm excited to talk to you about 40 days of prayer. We're in our final week coming up, and actually we stretched that a little bit by the way that we kind of jumped into it and the way we started, uh, so that we're actually uh, ending up uh, this week with the final week, and you have your 40 days of prayer, I hope, uh, 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 a brochure flyer that is uh, available online. But uh, go online and, and make a comment. It was a blessing, Pastor Brown, as you're preaching to watch people's uh, kind of comments, watch them uh, engage. And it, it, I didn't realize because, you know, when you and I are preaching, we don't understand because we don't have that tactile and visual uh, feedback of people. But it was wonderful to see people engaging with, responding to uh, what you were saying from God's Word about uh, uh, enduring the race that we're in, and then engaging in our mission, and just watching people track and amen, and kind of pray along with you uh, as a church family. What an encouragement. What a blessing you guys uh, all are. What a, what a wonderful church family. We cannot wait till we're able to get back together, and we're praying and asking God for wisdom to know uh, how to go about that process. So please be praying for us uh, as we uh, evaluate that, uh, Pastor Brandon, with the help of uh, Dr. Curtis Lehman, put together uh, a survey for us that um, a number of you have responded to so far, and next week uh, we'll let you know kind of some of the results of that, uh, about the possibilities of getting back together and trying to be in compliance and prime, trying to uh, implement uh, safe practices to maintain health and, and uh, yet to be able to figure out some ways that we can see each other's faces and being in each other's presence once again. Uh, God was uh, speaking to me uh, about uh, coming back this Sunday uh, to speak, and uh, specifically, uh, I think I had four different passages of Scripture that were very deeply speaking to me and kind of went back and forth a couple times, and what I thought I would do was continue on what Pastor Brandon had started. I want to repeat what he has done because what he did was one of the best presentations, uh, kind of unfolding of the impact of Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, uh, that I've ever heard. I thought it was just outstanding. So again, uh, let him know you appreciate what he did and what he does. But I thought I'd continue in this, so I'm going to read just the passage. Uh, you can you feel, feel free if you don't feel too self-conscious at home. If you're home uh, alone, you don't need to feel self-conscious. I guess, though, that that's the only person in the room for you to feel conscious with is self-conscious, right? So if you're with somebody else, so you can do the same thing. Feel free to read aloud. It'll be on your screen. It's on the notes that are available there on our website as well for you. Uh, Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the believers that God has kind of laid out for us in his word in Hebrews chapter 11, all the ways that God has been involved with men and women, boys and girls, with, with humanity from the beginning of time till the time that that passage was written, and, and all those who have been part of the family of God ever since and today. Right now, even, as uh, we're physically separated, we're spiritually gathering, 
with uh, just tons and tons of other followers of Jesus and churches, both here in our nation, in our state, in our community, but also around the world. We're surrounded by the family of God. We're not running this race alone, even though the isolation makes it feel like we're running it alone sometimes. So since we're surrounded and we're not alone, let's throw us off everything that hinders us. There are things that slow us down in our race. And let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Sin and warped perspectives can entangle us and keep us from making progress in this race that in one sense we don't have much choice to run because the encouragement next is this, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. It's been laid out. The race, the track has been prepared. As we look around we think, I wouldn't have prepared this race in this way. But it's been marked out for us. And as we do this, the only way we can run with perseverance is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it's interesting to me, as Pastor Brandon pointed out the last two Sundays as well, that we're, we're following his example, but we're learning from him how to do this because we know that even as he was on the cross, God's word tells us that one of the passages of Scripture that Jesus himself was reflecting on, that he was meditating on, that he was chewing on, that he was trying to get nourishment and encouragement and hope and strength from, was Psalm 16. And in Psalm 16, we realize, and from the perspective of the New Testament, we, we realize that Jesus himself was reflecting on this on the cross, and he said these words, on the cross, he said, I see the Lord always before me. I set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. And talks about the protection and the provision and the permanent security that he has because of that relationship with his heavenly Father. Now we're told in Scripture to fix our eyes on the Lord as well. Fix our eyes on Jesus he started everything. He did it right. He's the pioneer, and he's the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I believe I learned last week, he endured the cross, comma, scorning its shame, comma, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God engaging in his mission. If you didn't see Pastor Brandon's message last week, your heart will be touched and moved. Uh, cue that up and make sure you, you see that. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Then the next, for very next verse, we're told the same thing, right? In case we didn't get it the, the first time. Uh, that's true in my life. Is that true in your life from time to time? We're, we're told, again, consider him. Think about him. Reflect on him. Keep his example, his encouraging intercessory prayer for us at this moment, his, the life that he lived, the death that he died, the glorious resurrection that gives us hope. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? Because if you consider him, and if I keep him in mind, and I keep my mental focus on him, it says, here's the promise, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's almost been six months since we first offered online streaming. It was midway through the month of March. In a couple of weeks, it'll be six months. We grow weary. Talked to some people this week who were weary because of some of the restrictions on their particular job, their particular area of livelihood, and the, the challenge and the struggle to be able to get through, and yet they affirm God's goodness, God's grace in the middle of the difficulty, but people are weary. In the extreme heat that we're in, it's so easy to lose heart. And then in this heated context that you and I have been in yesterday and then particularly today as well, it's so easy to grow weary and to lose heart and want to throw in the towel, but consider him. An encouragement comes, verse 4, in your struggle against sin, against doing what you don't want to do, in that struggle to do what you know God has called you to do, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And yet it's so easy for us to forget that when we follow Jesus, when we walk the path of Jesus, when they run the race that's set out for us, it often involves taking up our cross as well. And yet most of us have not resisted in that struggle to the point of shedding our blood. Sometimes when I feel fatigued or worn down by responsibilities or by some weights, I sometimes just look at my hands and say, nope, I haven't shed any blood in my struggle. Thank you, God, for that. And yet there's maybe more that I can give that I don't understand. And then verse 5, he says, and, and have you completely forgotten... Knowing Paul, he's saying, you know, you know that you have completely forgotten, right? This word of encouragement, there's a race that we have to run, but here's a word of encouragement. I wonder what this is. There's a word of encouragement God offers, and it addresses you and addresses me as children. What is that word of encouragement what is it that you long to hear? Here's that word of encouragement. It says, quoting Proverbs 3, my son, my beloved child, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Let's just pause there for a minute. This is a word of encouragement. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart that we were in danger of doing so. We're supposed to reflect on Jesus, think about Jesus. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Okay, again, there's a word of encouragement here. The Lord is disciplining you. The Lord even may at times need to rebuke you and I. And, and I pause at this moment just to say, and when are we getting the word of encouragement <laughs> that was promised? Let's keep going. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord's 
the Lord disciplines. There's that word again. But here's the encouragement. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Do you know who that is? That's you. That's me. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And he chastens, not real happy about that particular word either, don't really enjoy that process always, right? But who does he chasten? Who is it the Lord is in this father-child relationship with? It's everyone he accepts as his child. That's you, and that's me. And this encouragement that is a little confusing because it uses words like hardship and difficulty and pain and struggle, this encouragement continues in verse 7. Endure hardship. Endure hardship as discipline. He's saying that understand that this hardship that you're going through isn't so much punishment, isn't so much the cruelty of the world that we live in, although there's probably some of that. And it's not God interacting with us in an abusive or a harsh way. Endure hardship as discipline, as training, as preparation, as equipping. Endure hardship as discipline, verse 7. God is treating you, here it comes again, as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and and everyone undergoes discipline in one way or or another, if you don't get it at home, you're going to get it at work. If you don't get it at work, you're going to get it, you know, in community, in your neighborhood, among friends. Everyone undergoes discipline. But if you're not disciplined, then you are not legitimate. Here it is again, the encouraging word, children at all. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had parents who disciplined us. We respected them for us, sometimes feared them for us. But how much more should we submit willingly? Think of Jesus in the garden. It's not what I want, Father. It's your will that I want done. How much more should you and I submit to not just our earthly parents, but to the Father of spirits, to the eternal Father, to our spiritual Father, and live? That's God's heart for us. That's God's goal for us, that we know that we're his beloved children and that we would live. Now, our parents, verse 10, our parents disciplined us for a little while until we were told that they were able to discipline us. It comes earlier than we think, doesn't it? But God, they discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. And then he defines what's good for us, that we may share in his holiness. That song we just sang before the message, the last song of our time of uh, worship together, holiness, we said, holiness is Christ in me. God disciplines for uh, us for our good that we may share in his holiness, that 
people will be able to see and to sense something of him in me, in you, in us. Verse 11, now, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. At times, jokingly, I've thought, this is my life first. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Isn't that true? It's true for me. It doesn't seem pleasant. It seems painful. It doesn't seem pleasant. It seems painful at the time. But later on, however, it produces. It doesn't seem painful. Excuse me, it doesn't seem pleasant. It seems painful. But later it produces a harvest. We long for the harvest. And the harvest is here described as righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's our goal, to be trained. Therefore, verse 12, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Just put your, your hands on maybe your arms or your biceps right now. Strengthen your feeble arms. Maybe strengthen your weak knees. If you don't have weak knees now, give it time. Make level paths for your feet. Clear the path in front of you. We started at that point. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Make level paths for your feet as you kind of, you're in a race. We need to keep going. Strengthen your feeble arms, your, your weak knees. You're, you're, you're running a race and you're getting tired. Buck up, he says, so that the lame may not be disabled. This isn't God's goal for you. Look what it says but rather healed. The race that we're in is intended for our healing. Verse 14, make every effort, every effort, spare no expense. Make this your great deep priority to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Isn't it interesting how Holiness here is not kind of a churchy word, not kind of a spiritual religious word, not a Sunday word. It's an everyday word. It's a relational word. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Well, there's something we need to unpack, but we're not going to get there quite today. Four principles I see for the race that we're in from, these, from this passage of Hebrews 12. Number one, as we run, let's remember. As we run, <clears throat> let's remember. As we run, let's remember. Hold it there for just a minute. Remember is a key word today for us. In a few minutes at the close of the service, we're going to remember with the bread and with the cup what Jesus did for us. When I was young, I remember growing up and hearing the words from American history, remember the Alamo. Some people grew up a little bit later generation, and they, they well remember the admonition, remember Pearl Harbor. And most of us, except for the very young, who are 
at least 20 years of age and above, this coming week, did you realize the anniversary is coming? September 11th, 2001. That's astounding. Who could possibly forget that morning and the events that ensued? We're told to remember. Remember what Jesus did. Some events we can't help but remember. Some events we would actually wish we could forget. But we need to remember. And learn the lessons that are there for us. So four remembers here. Number one, as we run, let's remember. Let's go to that first point again up on the screen. Let's remember that it was God who marked out our race for us. Ever complain about your path? Ever complain about your situation, your circumstances? If you're watching right now contemporaneously on September 4th, 2020, you've probably complained. You may have complained already today. How on earth can I get in my truck on a Sunday morning on the way to early morning service relatively, right? And see at 1.05 before the day starts? There's so much that we can complain about. But remember that this race was marked out by our Father. This race was marked out by our Father for us. Is the race difficult? Is it challenging? Is it a struggle? Is it painful? Is it unpleasant? All this language comes to us from Hebrews 12. The Bible is authentic. It is realistic. But as we run, let's remember that it was God who marked out our race for us. Number two, as we run, let's remember. Let's remember that God gave us an example to focus on. As we run, remember that God gave us an example to focus on. And he ran, and he completed his race, and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. God gave us an example to focus on. By the way, I added this little phrase, when we are tired and tempted to give up. Do you see verses 2 through 4? Consider him. Fix your eyes on him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The antidote to growing weary, which I seem to do easily, to losing heart, which is not foreign to me in this COVID-19 season. The antidote to growing weary and losing heart is reflecting on Jesus. Consider him. We have an example to think about, to focus on, to encourage us. This race is runnable. This race is doable. This race has already been completed. And if you just focus on your own individual race, you and I will go down in flames. We need to keep in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, our souls, 
a remembrance of Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. One of the great heroes of the Christian faith, I believe, of the past century was a beautiful young woman who became a beautiful older woman who struggled deeply with her relationship with God in the sense that she often acknowledged in a private diary that came to light after her death, she often acknowledged that she did not sense the presence of the living God on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. Often did not, but, but had a race to run and complete. You know her name and you know her face, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Every day she reminded herself about what Jesus had done for her. Might be a habit you might want to implement in your own life. Every morning she would look at her hand and ask a five-word question. He did what for me? He did what for me? We do this as a course of our life together as followers of Jesus. We'll do it in, in a few moments when we come to the table with the, the cup and the bread. We, we do that when we reflect on the cross. He did what for me. And whatever has come before, whatever happened yesterday, whatever's happened the past day, week, month, six-month season of time, Every morning she would ask herself, he did what for me? And then every evening he asked, she asked a similar question, and I think you and I ought to maybe adopt this. Every evening ask ourselves, I did what for him? In the morning, he did what for me? In the evening, out of gratitude, out of response, worship follows from study of God's word, from reflection on God's word. He did what for me, I did what for him. See, remembering isn't just kind of sitting in a rocking chair going, I remember. It's active. It engages us. We're called to run a race because our Father sees that this race will make a difference in the lives of broken and hurting and lonely and lost men and women all around us, in our generation and in the generations to come. Our race makes a difference. Remember the example of Jesus. Number three, as we run, let's remember how, I guess that's the key word there maybe, right? How, circle that. How God encourages us. Remember that word of encouragement that started off with words like discipline, rebuke, chastening, Hardship, painful, not pleasure, not pleasure, uh, pleasurable, not pleasant, right? How does God encourage us? Well, the hardship and discipline we are experiencing, this is from verses 5 through 8 in Hebrews 12. The hardship and discipline that right now you are experiencing and I am experiencing, it proves something to us. It has a function. The hardness and discipline, the pain, The lack of pleasantness 
proves to us at least four things. Letter A, it proves that he loves us. That's what the text tells us. The Lord disciplines, he trains those he loves. Now, Sherry and I have raised our kids. They're wonderful kids, all of them. They've married wonderful people. We're so blessed. But we now have a new little one under our roof for a season, little Luca. He turns two this month. God has blessed us so much, Sherry and I, Stephanie as well, that we've been able to be with little Luca for when it comes up this month uh, for all three of his birthdays. His first birthday when he came into the world, but when he turned one, they were here last year, they're here this year. We're so excited about that process. But little ones need training. They don't know any better. And so, you know, there's, you, you try to communicate a warmth and a love and an affection and a smile as you say, please put the knife down or whatever it is that he happens to have found because he is Curious George in human form. But he needs training. Don't we all? And the Lord loves us, and so he provides it. The hardship and discipline we're experiencing, it proves, letter A, that he loves us. It proves, letter B, that he accepts us, the text tells us. Letter B, he accepts us as his beloved children. He chastens everyone, verse 6. He chastens everyone he accepts as his child. You and I, as Paul will say in the book of Ephesians, are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Jesus. When I was young, I struggled with my identity, my self-image, I guess I should say more clearly. I struggled with not feeling accepted. I was, how would you say it? Weird. <laughs> Different. Not like everybody in my family, not like everybody in my typical classroom. And I felt it. I felt kind of odd. Uh, my little Myers-Briggs, not necessarily scientific, but as they assess people, I'm an INTP, which is the, the rarest combination of the, the four pairs of character qualities that they assess, and 16 different kind of possible permutations of these, but also in different ways. So we're all utterly, utterly unique. And I, I was actually strangely comforted as an adult when I read that INTP was the rarest combination of character qualities and as such was only found in 1% of the population. And that could have been off-putting. That could have been discouraging, demoralizing. For me, it was liberating. Oh, so I'm not weird. I'm just unique. And you're not weird. You're just unique. Now, let's be real. I am weird. Okay, I understand that. But you know what? I'm weird, yes, but I'm also accepted by the Father of spirits, the Father, my spiritual Father, who accepts me as his child. And I don't care who you are or where you've come from or what you've done or what's happened to you, your Father in heaven accepts you as his beloved son or daughter and wants a, a, a dynamic, richly interdependent, interactive relationship with you. 
letter C. The discipline and hardship, the struggle, the pain that we go through proves to us that he is treating us as his children. He is treating us as his children. It's in your notes. I'm not going to look it up. 1 Kings 1 talks about a king who refused to discipline, to train his child and the horrific train wreck of the life that came because of that refusal. God loves us and is treating us as his children. Letter D. The struggle, pain, hardship, discipline remind us, prove to us that God is reminding us, wants us to be aware, he is reminding us that we are really, truly, genuinely, authentically, rightfully, and legitimately is the phrase that the passage uses, legitimately his beloved children. Verse 8. You belong to him. In the words of the beautiful Song of Songs, I am my beloved's and he is mine. In Paul's language, we are in Christ, the beloved. As we run, let's remember how God encourages us and not get confused that the difficult time communicates displeasure or distance in the relationship. It rather communicates he loves us, he accepts us as his children, he's treating us as his children, he's reminding us that we're his. Finally, number four, and then we'll share together in the Lord's table. As we run, fourth time, we're reminded to remember. As we run, let's remember that our race is not pointless. Our race is not pointless. Rather, God is using it to produce something priceless in us. As we run, let's remember that our race is not pointless. God is using us to produce something priceless in us, verses 9 through 12. When we submit to the loving Father, we read in verse 9, we live. <laughs> what is the struggle? What is the discipline? What is this race, the difficulty, the weariness? What, is it, what does it do for us? It reminds us that we're alive. It helps us to experience all of life in its richest and fullness. Letter B, his discipline is for our good. That's what comes to us. His discipline, letter B, it's for our good. And here again in the notes I've referenced without looking to it or having it on your screen, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God has plans for us. Three times he tells us, I know the plans I have for you, God says. Plans for good and not for calamity. Plans, plans to give you a future and a hope. God disciplines us for our good. Let us see. This discipline enables us to share in his holiness. Oh God, when I compare my holiness to your holiness, I fall at my feet, fall to my feet, in your presence, with Isaiah, with Peter, with John, with whoever encountered the presence of God, or even one of his representatives, angelic messengers. And yet, you and I are called to share in his holiness, his beauty, goodness, love, and mercy. Hallelujah. I hear somebody shouting, maybe in the privacy of your own home, or I'm sure you're not watching in the backyard. 
I hope so we're in air-conditioned comfort. Hallelujah. We can share in God's holiness as he trains us through this difficult time. Two more. Letter D, the pain, the pain produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. The pain, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful but it produces a harvest of righteousness, right relatedness to God, right relatedness to people, and also peace, also peace with God, peace with people, and inner peace and serenity, a calm spirit even in unspeakably painful circumstances. This pain produces a harvest of peace. Or we could say hard times produce a harvest. Tell God right now, God, I, I want the harvest. I want the harvest. And so I'm gonna accept the pain in the race that you have set out for me. Lastly, worship team is gonna come up right now. Lastly, it is the struggle itself. It is the struggle itself. Referred to in verse four. It's the struggle itself that strengthens us for what lies ahead. Now, 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 what lies ahead? I don't know for you. I don't know for me. If we go back 12 months in time, six months in time, none of us anticipated what's happened to us the last six months. But do understand, and I need to understand, that in God's way of parenting me as a loving father, that the struggle is intended to strengthen me and strengthen you for what's ahead. Which inevitably, life being what it is, time being what it is, involves some more pain, some more struggle, some more difficulties. Right now, in the struggle, in the pressure, in the pain, God is strengthening you and I for what lies ahead. So we turn to the table of the Lord, which is a reminder of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we remember because Jesus told us to remember at the very moment he started this whole process. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. He wants that relationship with us. He said, I want to eat it before I suffer because he knew he was suffering on our behalf. So he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, this bread is my body. Eat this in remembrance of me. He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He offered it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this to remember who I am and what I did. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the power 
of remembering. And then in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. Thank you for my blood. He said, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant where the spirit of the living God is available, accessible, can be on us, can be with us, and can be in us through the suffering of Jesus in the race that he ran. He ran. This cup, the blood, my blood, he knew of the new covenant. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Father, with the Holy Spirit. And this possibility is made possible by the blood of Jesus. Wow. Maybe you've come into that point today where you're realizing or you're willing to at least accept that there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than the love that the Father offers. And right now, some of us may be resistant to receive that love. We're thinking twice about accepting that love. But I want to encourage you, try it. Right now, today, would you just try to receive the love the Father has for you? Because, oh, there is nothing better than that love. We searched all over. You couldn't find no one. You couldn't find anything to match the love the Father offers. And if that's you today, you can receive that love in your life by simply asking and say, God, I'm, I'm ready for that love. I'm ready for that love to come into my heart. I'm ready for that love to take over my life. I don't fully know what it means to walk out my life now in that love, but I'm willing to ask questions. I'm willing to learn from you. And if that was your prayer today, if you said something like that, it is in this moment that the, that the God of the whole world and the universe comes and makes a home in your heart, in your very life. God is with you. God will lead you and he wants to guide you. And pastors are here at Bethany to help walk with you and answer some of those questions that come up for you. To provide you with the Bible if you do not have one you can reach out to us today to say hey yeah I, 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 I said something like that today I made that decision today we are here and we just simply want to walk with you answer questions and show you some steps ahead so if that's you reach out to us we're so glad you joined us today we look forward to you watching and gathering with us next week now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the holy spirit we'll see you next week bethany god bless you